Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150 on this fine day. What a great day to take your dog for a walk. Good point. You know, go somewhere new. Enjoy the spring smells. The air is so fragrant here in Seattle right now. I love it. Um, we have a great show today. I'm really excited for this conversation. On the line with us is Tanya Luna, who's the co-author of a book titled Surprise. Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. And uh, she has a business website, surpriseindustries.com. She's done a TED Talk, and I've posted a link to her website and the TED Talk and an article on the Huffington Huffington Post, all on our homepage, dogradioshow.com, and on our Facebook page as well. So I'm going to welcome Tanya to the Dog Show. Tanya, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. I'm so excited. So first of all, I just wanted to say that, well, so why So why are you on the dog show? Because I didn't mention dogs yet, right? <laughs> so you have, you are a dog lover and you um, have had, had a dog who just recently passed away about a month ago. Yeah, that's right. What was her name? Her name was Scarlett. Scarlet. Yeah, I can talk. I can talk forever about Scarlet. We can spend just half an hour talking about Scarlet if you want. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, I want to just say that I'm sorry that she, you know, that you've lost her so recently, and to, we can dedicate the show to her. Oh my goodness! So, Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, That's I know. Beautiful. I've done plenty of shows on pet loss, and I've been through it myself, and and I know that it, there's a lot to it. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you. Um, so your take on you've done you do a lot of really interesting work on um the the benefit of surprise in our lives and you talk a lot about creativity and one of the themes that I really heard through the information about you and also what you say is that one of the biggest things is that when you notice something unexpected uh you basically get present and that it really, the brain forces us to stop and pay attention and the senses and emotions intensify to take in whatever it is that's new. And that there is so much benefit to that in today's world. And I think the biggest theme that I connect with your message instantly is that I talk about this all the time in my area of expertise was expertise, which is dog training and behavior and how learning to work with and communicate with dogs really uh, challenges us to really get very, very, very present. And that's not something that we practice too much these days with how fast everything moves. Yeah, that's a great, great way to summarize it. I mean, really, really beautifully put. And, And you're right. I think in some ways, because on the one hand, we have so many distractions. And on the other hand, because we're kind of overwhelmed by all this uncertainty, we try to create routine and certainty and comfort with just knowing what to expect and knowing what to predict. I think that we've lost or maybe just 
haven't had the opportunity to train ourselves to embrace the prize, to embrace that level of focus and concentration and openness to the moment. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, so so you've you've talked a bunch, and like I said, I've I've posted uh, the links to your TED talk and uh, the, an article on the Huffington Post that was really interesting. I've got links to those on our website, which is dogradioshow.com, and then also on our Facebook page. Um, but what is your, um, you, know, you have a lot of thoughts about this with people, uh, but what, what is the dog, you know, you're, you're obviously, you seem to be passionate about dogs and of course had a dog who you loved very deeply. And, and so what is this sort of thought that you have about relating this to dogs? Because I know I have some thoughts and questions that come up immediately when I think about surprise and dogs. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think one of the interesting things for me is thinking about how as a sort of um, how researchers in general started to learn about the benefit of surprise. And in some ways it actually started with animals. So animals in captivity. Um, there's a lot of research on enrichment, for example, enriched environments on uh, using enrichment as a, a way to keep animals happy and healthy in the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if you take otters, otters are naturally extremely playful. But if you keep them in captivity for a while, even if they're completely comfortable, no one's stressing them out, there are no negative surprises, what starts to happen over a relatively short period of time is they start exhibiting symptoms of what we would call depression in humans. Mm. So they stop playing, they stop exploring and learning, they stop developing more trust and, and you know, uh, interest in, in one another and relation, in their relationships. Um, and I know it seems kind of maybe silly to say otter relationships, but it's true. They stop getting interested in one another and their surroundings. Mm-hmm. And all it really takes, and researchers kind of stumbled into this, all it really takes to get otters to be otters again, to be their joyful, playful, curious selves, is to throw something new into their enclosure. So dangle a little piece of string or throw a little piece of paper. It could be completely low-tech, but the idea is that you're introducing surprise into this very routine existence. Mm-hmm. And zoos are now doing this. You know, instead of just feeding an animal, they'll try to use some sort of um, puzzle, food puzzle. I know, you know, with, with dogs, there are Kongs and all kinds of um, new toys that are starting to develop where the dog isn't just handed the treat, but the dog has to work for the treat. Yeah. And what we know is that even though, you know, as humans and as animals, we may think we prefer comfort and predictability. Actually, we need a balance of both. We yeah. need a lot of stability and predictability. But for learning to happen, for excitement to kick in, we need surprise, challenge, variety. Yeah. I saw this really interesting show. I don't know. I don't know. I want to say it was something like a National Geographic, but I don't think it was National Geographic. And it was a super, super interesting on... Um, habitat and the environment and wildlife. And, and it, the, one of the main themes of the show, if not the main theme, was the importance of large predators to the health of basically entire ecosystems. And that prey animals like um, deer, or gazelle or whatever, um, were actually healthier when there was the, when they were kept moving by the threat of large predators. Like there was... Uh. There, when there, when the predators were gone and then they basically were not, there was like no stress at all. So you could also call that stimulation. Yeah. They actually, the, the animals became less healthy and also the environment, like the, the grasses or the, you know, whatever it was that was in the in- environment 
<clears throat> also started to deteriorate. It was really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Maybe because they were interacting with it less or something. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, that makes me think of, you know, the concept of first world problems. Right. And we kind of laugh at them, but our dogs have first world problems. Yeah. Our dogs have, you know, when I grew up in Ukraine and the problems that our dogs had was, you know, they were mostly homeless or um, they lived outside and I'd always be worried about them as a kid. I remember like bringing blankets and food to mm-hmm. any dog that lived outside. Mm-hmm. And now the pain point for a lot of our animals in the U.S. is they're bored. You know, they're disengaged. They're they're sleeping all the time. Or if we are taking them out on walks, it's part of our ritual. It's part of our routine. And there's beauty in ritual and there's bonding in ritual. But when it's all ritual, then... I mean, if you look at even what our brains go through when we're engaged in the habit, there's very little neural activity. So it's almost like nothing's happening. It's only when we're doing something new or different or challenging that our brains really wake up. Yeah. Do you know who Temple Grandin is? Yeah, of course. So I had the the honor and pleasure of interviewing her about a month ago. And uh, and it was a we focused on her book, um, Animals Make Us Human. And one of the things that she said in that book, I was like, oh, you just nailed it. Talking about this topic of boredom, um, which is something I've talked about many, many times over the years. She said it's almost like she was talking about like leash laws and fences. And she's like, you know, it almost seems like um, a lot of dogs now live in what you could call like a fancy zoo enclosure. Like they're mm-hmm. not. You know, they live in they, they don't leave their property very much. They're, right. you know, the families are busy and have activities outside of the home that the dog doesn't necessarily get to go on. Yeah. And they're they're kind of uh, really yeah, understimulated, understimulated. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. And and you can just see it, you know, dogs and, and, and I mean, all of the animals. This is just a, this is just a, a living thing. <laughs> you know, this is any this relates to any living thing. But um you know, dogs are just so wonderfully expressive. Uh, the emotional intensification that you mentioned that happens in humans, we know from research that surprise intensifies our emotions by about 400%. So mm. negative surprises, positive surprises, we just feel them with so much more intensity than the predictable aspects of our lives. And you really, if you just watch, like if you Google animals being surprised or if you watch your own dog being surprised by something, I, I we used to love one of our favorite things is um, with Scarlett, instead of telling her that, you know, my husband was on his way home because if I told her she'd get excited and she, you know, you could notice like kind of anticipation in her. Um, mm-hmm. But oftentimes I would take her out and he would be like hiding behind a corner or he would come out from a, one of our favorite things to do was I would be walking her and then he would sneak up from behind and he would take the leash and start walking her. And I would start walking away <laughs> and she would just sort of stop. She's <laughs> like, what is going on right now? <laughs> exactly. And just like a human. I mean, you see that one twenty-fifth of a second, This we say with humans, it's this duh face. It's this moment where you're just completely absorbed and lost in the moment because you're trying to make sense of what just happened. It didn't match your expectations. And the same thing would happen with her. And then she would be like, okay, you would see her mind working. She'd turn around, she'd see him, and you just see this just so much more joy, exuberance, excitement, playfulness. You know, she's such an old dog, but you just turn into a puppy in those moments of surprise. Mm-hmm. Now, you said something there that is great that I'd like to repeat and just pull out for people to really consider because oftentimes people, most of the time, I'd say when people get in touch with me, their dog has some sort of behavioral challenge Mm -hmm. and they need help. Um, Sometimes I get people that have, you know, a new puppy or they've just adopted a dog and they just want to get going on the right foot. But a lot of times there's something something that's going on where the dog's upset or, you know, exhibiting some sort of behavior or aggression or anxiety or something like that. 
And so, you know, oftentimes in that conversation, I'm, I end up coaching people on how to communicate with their dogs, work with their dogs and, you know, give the dogs constructive direction and all that kind of thing. And you, I don't know if you'd be surprised to hear you. So you said when you were describing when you would swap the leash with your husband, you said that you'd see her mind working. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people out there who live with dogs who don't know that that phenomenon even happens, that Mm. like they don't look for the thought process because dogs aren't verbal. So they're not going to verbally thought, you know, they're not going to verbally process. Oh, gosh, this is where did you come? You know, they're they're not going to. They're not going to say it, but it doesn't mean that they're not having the experience just because they're not verbal. And so I just wanted to uh, pull that out because it's so great that, you know, you just naturally are tuned in in that way. Yeah, I mean, even if you think about it, so in order to be surprised, in order to experience the sensation of surprise, you need to have expectations. Mm -hmm. Because what surprise is, is it's it's basically boiled expectations, something unexpected or misexpected. So you know that if a dog can be surprised, a dog has expectations. And that dog in that moment of surprise is working really hard to develop new expectations so that it knows what to expect in the future. So absolutely, I mean, you, you see this with things like, you know, occasionally just for fun we would move around her her furniture or um, she would leave the apartment and she really liked beds. And so we'd buy her a new bed. And while she was out for a walk with me, my husband would, set up a new bed for her. And you see she walks in, she stops, <laughs> she looks at it, she looks around, she goes into exploratory mode. Yeah. And so we used to do things like that all the time. She had very expressive eyebrows in particular. Yeah. So we used to love just watching her reactions just on her eyebrows. And absolutely, her mind was always working. And with every other dog I've ever worked with or had experience with, um, it's fascinating to just think about them from the perspective of expectations. Um, are you familiar with like the Pavlov dog research Um classical conditioning, when you yeah. pair something yeah. like a, the sound of a bell yep. and meat, dogs associate the sound of the bell with the meat. So it used to be believed that the way that that uh, phenomenon worked is just through this passive pairing of some kind of stimulus and then the response. So you hear the bell and you automatically start drooling. But what researchers now realize is that it's actually not this constant pairing, it's uh, a creation of an expectation. So the reason the dog starts drooling isn't just this automatic response to the sound of a bell. It's because the dog hears the sound of the bell and expects that there will be food following it, yeah. just like with humans. So, and that's kind of, they don't even teach you that in psychology classes because it doesn't kind of interferes with our classical understanding of how conditioning works. But expectations are a huge aspect of how dogs learn. Well, and there's a, there's a ton of research, and I've interviewed a lot of these scientists on the show um, there's a ton of research going on now about dogs and how dogs think and animals and emotion and all sorts of stuff. And I remember hearing relatively recently that somebody had pointed out that it was shown in a study that, um, or studies that the, um, possibility of a reward actually activates the brain way more and is more motivating than actually receiving the reward. That's right. Yeah, that's right with humans as well. Um, You'll often see really fascinating things too, like um, there's a difference between a possible reward 
and a definite reward. And the possible reward is more exciting than the definite reward. I'll even do this. So I also have two cats and uh, I train my cats as well as my dog. Um, so they're very dog-like in many ways. <laughs> and so, um, so, so for example, um, I would use kibble for training. Mm-hmm. And my dog, I couldn't experiment on in this way because she would eat absolutely anything. My cats are kind of picky eaters. Yeah. But, so you give them a choice. You say, do you just want this treat? You don't have to do anything for it. Here you go. It's not even a treat. Take this little piece of kibble, dried kibble. Do you want it? They don't want it. And now you say, give me your paw. And they give you your paw, and you give them a treat, and now they want the treat. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, is this a reward now for something <laughs> yeah. I did? <laughs> the brain processes that very same dry, boring piece of kibble in two totally different ways mm-hmm. when it's a result of a little bit of struggle and mm. a little bit of anticipation. Yeah. Now, this makes me think, I was talking to my wife about this, and she brought up um, the gambler's effect, and it, I know it's a little bit different because the whole thing about surprise is that you're not you're not waiting for the surprise to happen. It just sort mm-hmm. of happens. But the whole well, like, ooh, I'm going to I don't know when I'm going to get something. But the, it's that anticipation yeah. that can get addictive. Like the random reinforcement. Actually, yeah. they're really, really, really closely related. So. Uh, basically surprise and suspense in the brain are are almost identical. There's a brainwave called the P300, which is basically your like cognitive hijacking brainwave. So it's going, we interrupt, you know, we interrupt this message for, (laughs) we interrupt this program. I haven't heard that in a while. We interrupt this program for a very important message. Um, So that's what happens when you're surprised. It's also what happens when you're anticipating something. Um, The other thing that's really similar is, um, Dopamine. So dopamine is the neurotransmitter that uh, is most at play when we experience surprise. So we either experience a lot more dopamine, uh, a lot more dopamine production in the brain when it's a positive surprise, or a decrease in dopamine when it's a negative surprise. Um, same thing with gambling. The thing that makes it addicting is the dopamine. Yeah. The more uncertain it is. Like if I, if you were to tell me, put a coin in here and you'll definitely win. It's actually not very exciting for our brains. What's exciting is you say, put a coin in and maybe you'll win. Yeah. And then no matter what happens, it's a surprise. Yeah. So suspense and surprise are like these like neurological cousins or, or even siblings. Well, that, makes, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you brought up, and this was one of the things that the first thing I thought of when I saw the email introducing the, um, the idea of, of talking with you about this and dogs and stuff was, you know, because I work with a lot of reactive dogs to yeah. to where their relationship with surprise is not uh, not necessarily a positive one, and there's yeah. actually something called a startle response that that is temperament tested in litters of puppies when they're like five weeks old, and you can see, you know, as a fundamental sort of uh, part of the part of an an individual's temperament. That's one of the things that's measured is their reaction to being startled? What do they do in that next moment? Do they move toward the the object that startled them or toward the sound that startled them? Do they freeze first and then move towards it? Do they just freeze and stay there? Do they take off and run out of the room but then come back? How quickly do they recover? Or do they just take off and and stay huddled in a quarter a corner? shaking and not recover for a very long time. So there's a, you know, it's kind of like a fundamental thing with a dog's temperament. And I was like, okay, I totally appreciate 
the conversation about the mental stimulation and the boredom and that dogs have been working with people for tens of thousands of years until really recently. And now they're kind of unemployed and it can make them crazy (laughs) and all that stuff. But I think it's really important because you mentioned the positive versus negative. Yeah. And that we clarify (laughs) that, you know, adding in surprise into your dog's life and that it's positive. Yeah. And in some ways, sometimes even positive surprise isn't positive for some dogs and in some situations. Mm -hmm. So same thing for humans. You know, we like our co-author, Leanne Renninger, um, who has a uh, work with at Life Labs, um, where we do training for humans. <laughs> um, so we talk about this concept of the surprise seesaw. So when we have too much surprise in life, we start to experience anxiety. When we have too little surprise in life, we start to experience boredom, mm. um, which is also a kind of stress, a physiological stress. Yeah. So if a dog is um, experiencing a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty. Maybe there's a breakup in the family. Maybe yeah. you've moved. You actually want to eliminate surprise as much as possible, even positive surprise. Um, you know, even something like introducing a new toy. And and you'll know better than I do because I'm sort of using as a parallel what happens with humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in my very limited experience with, you know, I don't have a large sample size of dogs. But um, so let me know if you you know if you agree with this. But my suspicion is that when there is a lot of change for dogs, for kids, for adults. Um, I think maybe even particularly for cats who are more startle prone, um, we need to have extra attention paid to that other side of the seesaw, the certainty side of the seesaw, where you're like putting extra care to creating routine and right. predictability. Right. Um, it also might be that some dogs, just as some humans, are more sensitive and more easily startled, um, in which case it's all just about balance. It's about creating yeah. that right balance of certainty and surprise, yeah. not overdoing it on any side. And what... Oh, I mean, every dog is a unique individual, just like people, with with their com- complex combination of yeah. gen- genetics, personality, um, history, you know, all of those functions that make each individual who they are. Um, and, and dogs and people and other animals, it's shown, have the same emotion centers in the brain. And I mean, yeah. you know, there's I, I definitely agree with you that it is about the word came to mind as you were talking was balance is always key, but then also being sensitive to what is a surprise to this dog versus that dog. Cause some dog, yeah. if they are super, 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 super sensitive to their environment, you change something really subtle around and they're going to be like, Whoa, what's yeah. that? Versus another dog who's just like, Oh, did I didn't even notice that. And you have to try a right. little harder to actually achieve that surprise. Right. Like, I personally hate surprise parties. I hope no one ever gives me a surprise party. <laughs> I'm very easily startled. I am. Um, if you did the startle test on me, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell if I would, like, bite or run away. I'm not sure about that. But, <laughs> but I would definitely easily be startled. And but, So I love surprise. I love small, subtle surprises. Mm. Um, you know, with Scarlett, when we first got her, she was a rescue. And from what we understood, she was used as bait in dog bites. Yeah. You know, that's a whole lifetime of Mm-hmm. horrible, trauma. horrific surprise, trauma, yeah. yeah. So I would say the first year with her, we were so careful to have zero surprise. Yeah. You know, it was all about knowing we were always going to be home at the same time. Mm-hmm. We would always feed her at the same time. You know, she would always, we would have a very similar um, way that we would walk around the neighborhood. And so with her, we were so gentle with surprise, but we started seeing when she would relax, you know, when she knew exactly what to expect when she met all the dogs in the neighborhood and they were friends, you know, when she knew the humans in the neighborhood and they were friends. Um, and then we started kind of 
playing with her little by little, you know, uh, going on walks in new directions, um, taking treats with us to the park, you know, taking baby carrots to the park, little things like that. And, and then what we found is that she actually loves the prize and mm. just, you know, this very silly, playful dog. Um, but it wasn't quite time for her yet in yeah. the beginning. So we needed, so, you know, I think it's with some, with some of us, dogs and humans, will never like big surprises. And with some of us, it just depends on what else has happened in our lives mm-hmm. prior and what's going on in, in our lives right now. Yeah. Well, I have a, a question for you about that, but we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're talking with Tanya Luna, who's the co-author of a book called Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. And then you mentioned Life Labs. Life Labs New York, yeah. So my co-author, Leanne, and I, uh, that's where we do training, where we apply the psychology of surprise to humans. So we do leadership training as well as we uh, helping companies figure out where they need less surprise and where they need more mm. surprise in their culture. Okay, cool. And what's the website? That's lifelabsnewyork.com. Um, New York spelled out. New York spelled out. Okay, great. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Baby, what a big surprise. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S.-sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 14th, it's Valentine's Day, and due to sports, a shorter animal world. We'll spend the time we have honoring and sharing our love for the elephants. Aline Fortgang from Friends of Woodland Park Zoo Elephants will join us. We'll share what we know about Chai's sudden death and my concerns for bamboo. Tune in early for Martha Norwalk's Animal World this Sunday morning, 9 to 10.30 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk, AM. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) News, traffic, and weather? Now you can get your information fixed weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is back with Julie Forbes. (laughs) 
Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Kudos to Eric. What is that, Peter Cetera or Chicago or? Yes. Both? <laughs> yes, Peter Cetera singing for Chicago. The sweet sound. <laughs> Baby, what a big surprise. <laughs> That's right. All right, well, we're back with Tanya Luna, who's the co-author of a book called Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. And we're talking about um, a lot of really interesting things. If you're just tuning in, and you missed the first half of this show, you can find all of our now 320 episodes archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. You can also go to iTunes and download our episodes for free as an audio podcast. And uh, you can also get them through our Facebook page as well, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So, Tanya, you said that you don't, actually like big surprise like in the sense of um which is kind of funny right um <laughs> the irony of my life i know <laughs> confessions of the surprise expert <laughs> that you actually don't for example like surprise parties no hate them. and i've definitely you know i've definitely had friends who who you know have i've known people who do not like do not surprise me i don't like them Mm-hmm. And then people who, you know, feel the other way, strongly the other way, and then probably everywhere in between, right? So do you, do they know, um, I mean, you were talking about wavelengths, which I find, it's like so fascinating, this kind of thing, like the brain and all that. Um, do they know what that is a function of, the variation between individuals? Yeah, well, to some extent. Um, I think no one's overtly studied it from the perspective of surprise, but we do know some background on, for example, what makes introverts and extroverts different. And mm. you'll see this in temperament um, at, at even in infancy. Um, that's pretty predictive of adulthood. And essentially, it's how reactive your nervous system is. Mm. So, uh, for example, you can tell an introvert baby apart from an extrovert baby by popping a balloon right by it. Mm-hmm. The introvert baby is probably going to get really startled and start crying. The extrovert baby is going to be like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> and then later on in adulthood, as introverts, even if you're like, I, I'm an introvert. I describe myself as a people-loving introvert. So I really love meeting new people. Mm-hmm. I'm not shy at all. But I really hate the experience of being surrounded by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I just find it overly stimulating. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, my husband is a shy extrovert. So he mm-hmm. gets really kind of uncomfortable in new places, meeting new people. But once he's met them, he wants to be around all of them at the same time. Mm. He wants horror movies. He wants, Uh. you know, louder music. He wants colorful surroundings. I want like clean, white, quiet space. (laughs) You know, not a lot going on. But I think some of that might just be our nervous systems. And then to some extent, too, it's it's the experiences we've had. Um, You know, again, the the more um, strain you've had on your nervous system by being either fearful or uncomfortable by your environment, the more likely you will be to dislike surprise parties. Um, That being said, I think all of us crave teeny tiny surprises, you know, emotions like wonder, curiosity, Mm. um, noticing something unexpected outside your window, like, you know, a beautiful day. That's non-startling surprise. That's still part of the surprise spectrum. Well, and that just brings up, for me, I just thought of... um... You know, I was just I had the the pleasure of of coming back on Monday from being out of town for like four days. A friend of mine owns 150 acres out in northeastern Washington state. And I got out of out of the city with my dogs 
And we were all off leash, you know, all day together outside and, you know, walking in the woods. And and I was, you know, so present to how beautiful everything and so appreciative. And you talk a lot about gratitude um, and, you know, different perspectives on gratitude. But there's also, you know, there's also a lot that's out there that we probably miss that could surprise us just because we're so not present. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, and, and particularly what you're describing, that's an experience of awe. That's mm-hmm. a kind of surprise that we know is so healthy for the brain. Um, but little things, you know, I, I haven't done this lately, but uh, walking with my dog, I used to play this game where I would just sort of look around my environment and then whatever my eyes settled on, my rule was I couldn't look away until it surprised me. And so the mm-hmm. idea is, let's say you're just like walking by and you notice a tree. And so the rule is you can't look away until the tree surprises you. How can a tree surprise you? And you look for 20 seconds, and you're like, this is a boring tree. And you look for 40 seconds, you're like, what am I doing? Mm. And then you look for 10 more seconds, and you're like, oh, look at that right. shape that I didn't notice. You know, look right. at that, like, new little, you know, bud, bud. that's yeah. <laughs> flower bud or something like that. And everything in our lives has the capacity to surprise us if we pay attention to it. Mm. So, um I just had a thought about that, but I lost it. But that's okay. That's all right. Um, okay, so you talked about um, businesses, and you have a lot of really interesting, um, and it just uh, keeps coming back to, like, the importance of being present. But you talk about creativity a lot. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, I think this was in the article in the Huffington Post, which was I found very interesting, uh, you mentioned a business that has, like, forced blackouts quirky yeah 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 i was like man that's a good idea because you know and i just had this experience being like out of reception where it's like okay you can't text anyone right now and you can't get you know you can't get online you can't access social media you can't post about anything that you're doing all there is to do is to experience it and how that really opens when you when you give space for new things how that really opens up creativity yeah, I think the two magic words with creativity are space and randomness. Mm. So I think you create this emptiness where anything can happen. You know, serendipitous things can happen or not. And then you collect new experiences. And what that does, if you're interested in what goes on in the brain, it's you're creating new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. And it's like creating paths in the, in the woods. You know, when you use the same way of thinking, you have the same experience, you talk to the same kinds of people, you go on the same walk over and over and over, that neural pathway becomes thicker and thicker, and we tend to use only that neural, neural pathway, and it becomes kind of uncomfortable to form others. Yeah. But the more we allow ourselves to walk in different directions, literally your brain starts to create a, you know, take a different shape. And yeah. the more of those random neural pathways you have, the more likely it is that two random thoughts will bump into each other and something brand new will come into existence. Well, it's also good for the longevity of the brain and stuff like that, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's research on things like Alzheimer's, for example, mm-hmm. that shows that, um, you know, we, we thought for a long time that it's important to, like, use your memory and memorize things. Yeah. Um, but it actually turns out that that's not nearly as important as just challenging yourself with new things in new ways. You know, walking on an uneven surface mm. is really good for the brain versus just walking on pavement. Um, so we're, we're doing a lot of things, I think, in our society to create comfort and to create predictability, which is great. But I think we're also inadvertently, when we overdo it, are really harming our brains and, and our yeah. dog's brains. Did you see that ho- there was a house that somebody yeah. built that was, like, all hard to move around in? 
like a weird floor. And yeah, weird like surfaces. it was like rock climbing to get from the kitchen to the living room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we there's a company that I spoke with um, recently out of India, actually, that's trying to do something similar with their office. So mm. they um, they sell fitness vans, and so they're building an office where to get to a meeting, you have to go through this rock climbing wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, you know, in Ukraine, I'm blanking on the name of the, these researchers, but it was a. a, a a couple that were looking at, you know, enrichment for the child. And they said, always make it hard for your kid to climb into bed. Like, make it a fun challenge. So, mm. yeah, I mean, of course, you can do it on, overdo it on, on either side. Sure. But I think just going back to what you said about balance and, and mindfulness yeah. and making choices instead of just kind of getting stuck in one way of doing things. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, it, it was interesting when I was learning how to train dogs, um, which was about 12 years ago, the woman, the owner of the facility that I did my apprenticeship with um, had this thing where she would, she had a word um, that she would use to train dogs who, it was especially applied if the uh, family had a baby and the dog was like, don't touch me, you know, Mm. to the baby. Baby becomes mobile, crawls over, grabs the dog, surprises the dog. In, right. a, in a in a way that the dog does not perceive as positive. Right. And then, you know, potentially the dog, you know, that would cause a dog to snap or, you know, to snap at the baby to be like, ah, you know, let go of me or something like that. Yeah. Or just being poked, you know. And there was a... Uh, Rightfully oh, so. I would snap too. Sure. <laughs> but there was a word that she would say, and, you know, the word doesn't matter, but it was, um, you, know, you could even say surprise, but mm-hmm. where, the, where the owner would do something kind of like come up to the dog and be like boop and like poke the dog and then be like yay and then give it you know a piece of turkey deli meat or something like that and the dog was and this kind of makes me think about what you said about conditioning earlier is that the dog is like it changes the dog's perspective on what's happening so it isn't just like this robotic thing where it's like oh positive now not negative but it's where the dog is like still startled but they're like oh that just happened again and now I'm expecting something really awesome to happen. Yeah. Oh, what so, a great idea. So it's gonna. So it's okay. Like it makes it okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you went in a direction I wasn't expecting. I love that idea. It also made me think of um, what we know about research on surprise and conflict, um, and this works for dogs as well. So whenever we get into like a pattern and we're really stuck in conflict, what, for example, um, psychologists recommend is using surprise as a way to sort of break that pattern and go in a totally different direction. So, you know, that boop or whatever it is, that weird word, that weird Mm. thing you do, fall down on the ground and start rolling around. It's a way to break that um, intensity and that that kind of um, that stuckness that we had with surprise. But I love the idea of then immediately having a positive association with that experience of startle. So you're like, okay, all right, I'm startled. Now something good's going to happen. So, yeah, I love that idea. Um, patterns are a bugger, aren't they? <laughs> uh, they're everything. They're kind of just everything. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I know as far as just, you know, being a human who's, who's conscious and aware that, you know, the, it's a really interesting phenomenon to understand their function and then also experiencing them in my own life or, you know, especially like thoughts, thought patterns and yeah. how we really run the, you know, we'll get just stuck, stuck and just loop these things, especially negative ones. It's like, okay, just cut it out. 
Drop. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that un- unhealthy <laughs> patterns, unhealthy habits, they form in, in our lives and our relationships with humans, our relationship with dogs. Um, I think it's this like expectation loop, you know, it's, yeah. it's happened before you expect it to happen again. And um, yeah, I think surprise is the antidote there, but I think surprise is the antidote for pretty much, <laughs> pretty much everything. Not surprise parties, though. Not surprise parties. <laughs> no, not for me. Some so, people. so what are some, you know, given that this is your your main focus, and I can share some of mine also, some of my ideas, but I'd like to hear what... Actually, let's take a quick break, and then um, I'll ask you what your... What are some ideas that you have? You've, you shared some earlier about what you used to do with Scarlet, about, yeah. you know, a new bed or switching the leash when your husband came home and having him, you know, appear somewhere unexpected <laughs> right. or whatever. Um, but, but, you know, if you have any other ideas to share with people that they can incorporate in their lives with their dogs, that would be wonderful. Uh, but we're just going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice jetcityanimalclinic.com Lewis and Clark would be proud we're exploring new territory on the air every day right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM and now back to the dog show with Julie Forbes what do you say Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we're back talking with Tanya Luna, who's the co-author of a book called Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. Tanya, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Okay, so, um, you know, I think we could probably be here for a few hours, (laughs) (laughs) but this is our last segment, and um, 
we left the the last break. Um, you know, you you've done all of this work and uh, have a TED Talk and a book and um, you know articles and all sorts of great information out there for people who want to learn more about you, um, about humans and surprise and humans. And you've also um, are very sensitive to and passionate about animals. And um, so it's a really great, really fun conversation to talk about the possibilities of this for dogs and, and the value of stimulation in the environment and how, you know, how that can really fight boredom for dogs who don't have that built into their lives because it is a really important thing. And you had mentioned earlier in the show, and if you're just tuning in, you can um, hear this interview in its entirety if you've missed any part of it on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. All of our 320 episodes are archived on there on the podcast page. You can also go to iTunes and download um, any of our episodes as a free audio podcast. This is number 320. So what are some ways that other ways that you have thought of to um, incorporate surprise into a dog's experience? Yeah, um, sure. Oh, my gosh. We would, I mean, basically our home was like the surprise our dog laboratory. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I can just maybe share a few of my favorites. Sure. Um, so one thing, I don't know how easy it is for all listeners to do this, but because we're in New York, there are some places you can go eat that have outdoor seating and I mean, I think you can also do this with, like, a picnic in the park kind of thing. Um, we would go on what she would think would be a regular walk um, and then actually wind up somewhere where she would get her own meal, you know, dog-friendly meal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was always something she was so delighted by. Yeah. Um, or it was even smaller things, like, uh, for example, we would change up um, what her breakfast would be. So she would always have, like, a special breakfast when we were having a special breakfast on a Sunday, for example. Mm-hmm. Or if... Um, this is so simple, but uh, we, we would buy Halo dog food, and um, they have all these amazing flavors, and so they would have, like, a Thanksgiving flavor. So when we had a Thanksgiving meal, she had a Thanksgiving meal. Mm-hmm. So little things like that. Um, we also used to um, play little games where we'd hide treats for her around the house. Um, now, we didn't want her to think that there were constantly treats lying around, but she would know when it was, like, playtime. So mm-hmm. she would have to go to another room, we would hide the treats, and we'd be like, find them. Yep. Or we'd play little games where we'd put, like, this is another thing where you can really see a dog's mind work. So we would take uh, two bowls and put a treat under one bowl, not another bowl. You know, it's like that it's like that game of cups, or what do you call it? You know, when they do it, like, out on yeah. street corner. Yeah, yeah, So we would do that with her and have her follow the bowl around and try to figure out yeah. which bowl the treat was under. And you can really see her doing some kind of reasoning, like some dog mm-hmm. version of reasoning, where she was like, oh, okay, they moved it over here, so it must be in this one. Um, so things like that. Um, we subscribed to BarkBox. That was one of her favorite things. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you could do it with BarkBox or just do it on your own, where once a month there's a box that comes in and there's something new in it. You yeah. know, so some new toy, some new treat. Um, so things like that. It can go on and on, but yeah. those are a few, you know the, few of my favorites. The Find It game is something that I show most of my clients because it's such oh, an wow. easy, fun way to give the dog some work in a way that is so fundamental to dogs and actually, um, you know, activates the seeking part of the, the emotional brain and is, is really, really, really 
fulfilling for them and through, of course, using their sense of smell, which is their primary sense. But I even like to, you'll you'll love this. So do the find it game, you know, and have, you know, normal treats and the dogs go nuts for that. But then what I like to do is have different rooms be different themes of scent. <gasps> Oh, my God. And then have there be like jackpot treats, you know, a couple of those <laughs> where it would be like, oh, my, you know, where did that huge piece of, you know, freeze dried salmon come from as opposed to like the other treats to to even vary the scent. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Like totally. I just can totally geek out on the find it game and like have it be all it's like a a, a a carnival in the house sometimes and the dogs get so excited. I love that. You know, she poor Scarlet, because we have we have two we had four cats when we got her. Didn't intend to get a dog at all. We just met her and just like fell madly yeah. in love with her. She found you. But she found us yeah. completely. I mean, and it's true. I was walking down the street and I had leftovers and she just like walked over and stuck her face in, in the bag and a, a neighbor of ours was um, fostering her. Mm. No one wanted her because she was all these she had all these scars on her and looked really scary. She's like this scary looking pit bull with mm. just the most wonderful, amazing personality. Um, so uh, when we first got her, you know, she was kind of confined to one little part of our apartment. So we would go out a lot and she would explore a lot outside. But I think the find a game for us was amazing because it would transform this relatively small space she yeah. had. She had like the living room and the bedroom. It would transform it into this wonderland of like, <gasps> and I didn't think to look under there and there and have it over there. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, I geek out over the find a game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of great um, puzzles. There's a bunch of brands now, but one of the, if not the first one, um, the brand is called Nina Odison. It's a name. It's a Swedish company, and they um, make these dog puzzles where it really kind of takes it beyond the, you know, the ball that rolls around and randomly dispenses treats that where the dogs actually have to figure out, like, I have to slide this this piece over, you know, along its track in order to uh, expose the treat that's underneath it. And then there's harder ones where they actually have to take a peg out first in order to slide the piece. Yeah. And they have all these different ones. um, And those are things that I also recommend to clients. And I've talked about this on the show before, too, is like, again, that, you know, you asked me off the air about boredom, essentially, and, and how does that contribute to challenging behaviors and I you know I was like all the time I see it all the time there's other factors sometimes as well of course but that lack of stimulation is an epidemic for dogs in this country they are largely unemployed and it's really important that people especially with high energy high mental energy dogs that people really sign up for meeting their needs so that they're not unhappy in that way So there's a lot of really fun ways that you can do that in addition to, you know, basic training and learning how to communicate with the dog that way, which should also be fun as well. There's just expectation there, too. But um, even things like um, I remember when, you know, we would take our usual walk, um, she would come home. It would kind of take longer to tire her out to get her like we used to say, like, get the pity out, get the pit bull out of her. Mm -hmm. So we would use our if we went on our usual walk, it would take longer than if we went in a new direction. You just see she would just get so much more energized yeah. and tire herself out faster yep. because of the novelty and the stimulation. Yep. Sometimes um, people have dogs who, and my male cattle dog is like this, um, where you could go and, you know, run, go run them, go for a six-mile jog, right. 
literally, and come back, and the dog's like, great, what's next? <laughs> and you're like, seriously? Like, you're, Whereas my lab would be like, I'm done. I was done three miles ago. <laughs> you know, don't talk to me for the rest of the day. And when it's dogs like that, and little dogs are like this too, um, when they, it's when they have a really high and intense need for that mental outlet, physical exercise won't tire them. They're the extroverts. Of dogs. That's right. They want that <laughs> that stimulation from new stimuli. Yeah, yeah. Their excitement from new stimuli. So the good news is also, you know, uh, another motivation for people to put in the time and energy to get puzzles, to play Find It, to go on websites like Dognition, which is really cool. They have um, different exercises and drills you can run your dog through to evaluate how your dog learns and thinks. As an individual, you know, there's all sorts of great resources out there to go do a nose work class or agility class or whatever. The payoff of these mental games is like, as you said, um, it really, really is effective in getting the dogs nice and calm and tired because they've got an outlet for that energy. I'd also say, I mean, one of the things that I've really been thinking about a lot since, since our dog died is those different things we did together, those little surprising things. Those went on to become our most cherished memories together mm. as a family. You know, so you know, Leanne, my co-author, her research in humans show that our best memories almost always contain an element of surprise. Mm. And I've just really been able to reflect on how true that is because in these times of just so much grief and loss, mm. we're able to look back on, you know, the times we went, we took our apple picking, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and like the times that we found a street vendor that, you know, happened to have something that was dog friendly and little things like that. I think the big motivation for humans can also just be, hey, you're building some of your best memories together. Yeah, yeah for sure. And getting present yourself, which is therapeutic yeah. these days. Okay, so I want to make sure that we give out your information before we hit the end of the show, which is coming up. So um, you're the co-author of a book called Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. Is this book out yet? It is. Okay. It came out April 7th. Okay, great. So you can find that on Amazon and all sorts of other places. You're, you have a website, Life Labs New York, which is your um, programs that you run for people. <laughs> and your TED Talk, of course, you can search for Tanya Luna, T-A-N-I-A-L-U-N-A, and watch that as well. And I have links to all of these on our uh, website, dogradioshow.com. Um, Tanya, it was really, really lovely to have you on the show, and oh uh, I look forward to keeping in touch. Likewise. I'm so I'm so energized and, and inspired by this conversation. Thank you. Good. Well, keep up the great work, and I'll look forward to uh, hearing, hearing what you're up to next. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'll be back live next Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, Even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. 
If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) 